Sabbath is not merely the cessation of activity, right? You can, you don't honor the Sabbath by laying motionless on your couch all Sunday long. That's 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 not it. But it can involve stopping what you had been doing and usually does involve what whatever you had been doing the previous six days stop doing that so that you can change and reorient yourself to a specific kind of of spiritual work as it were to to the lord's work hey everybody welcome to another episode of the pastor theologian show Today we are talking with CPT fellow John English Lee, who is pastor of discipleship at Morning View Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. We're talking with John English about his life, his PhD research on Sabbath and rest and work, and how those insights tie into the current situation that all of us are facing with the coronavirus pandemic. Really looking forward to sharing this conversation with you today. John English, delighted to have you on the show today. Uh, thanks for being with us, brother. Glad to be here. Yeah, Zach and I are really looking forward to talking with you. And uh, uh, this is a, a, a um, another installment, really, in uh, the podcast. I, I don't know that we call it, Zach, a series of things that we're doing, but we're trying to, to speak to some of our our CPT fellows uh, about how they're grappling with and reflecting on both theologically and pastorally. COVID-19 and, and all the implications of it for our country and for congregations across the country and for our own personal lives. So uh, we were excited. We are excited, uh, John English, to talk to you um, uh, because you have, uh, you, you have, uh, uh, we'll have a lot to say, uh, but we wanted to, in particular, drill down a little bit on some of your doctoral research on Sabbath and uh, thought there may be some really helpful uh, insights that emerge from your academic research for, uh, I don't know if it's the right way to call it, a kind of forced sabbatical uh, from work in the country, <laughs> right? I mean, it's this is just sort of unprecedented, uncharted territory for, for us, but this is a, a unique time. And, and for Christians to be thinking about this dynamic of being uh, some out of work, some needing to step back from work, some scaling down their work, some working from home, but still keeping full pace and um, new kinds of work coming online. So I'm thinking of our own situation. We have seven children and uh, they're all now in the house 24-7. And so there's a new kind of work my wife and I are, are embracing um, of, of homeschooling all of them. Uh, you know, so, so there's just this is a wild time for all of us and to think theologically. Uh, about uh, Sabbath and work and the, their interconnectedness in light of uh, our global and national situation uh, is, is really what we're excited to speak with you about. But John English, before we dive into your, your um, dissertation research, give us, uh, if you would, just a, a two-minute or three-minute um, uh, intro to, to you. You are a pastor of education administration down at Morning View Baptist Church in Montgomery. Um, and hold a PhD from Southern Seminary in Louisville. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about your story, your journey, and uh, give us the, the couple-minute version, right, if you can. Yeah. So uh, I was uh, saved as a young man, I think early junior high school, and um, kind of 
moved a whole bunch when I was young and then landed in, in seventh grade in Montgomery, Alabama. And have, um, this has been my ho- home base. Uh, so this is home. And mm. I uh, grew up. Uh, my father is not a believer. And my mother was um, faithful to take me to um, a conservative United Methodist church here in town. And it's a, me- a very, very large church. And so it was kind of, um, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, doctrinal precision that was emphasized at that church. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyway, I went there and in college, I was, um, I went with a friend to a PCA church and oh. Presbyterian church in America and, um, witnessed that morning church discipline, someone being excommunicated. Wow. Um, for unrepentant adultery. And I had never seen anything like that in my life. I was on the edge of my seat. I was thinking thoughts like, is this legal? Can they do that? Like, what, 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 what is going on here? And so that day over lunch, I am asking all these questions and I'm hearing all these words that I've never heard before, wow. like, hmm. like Protestant Reformation, uh, Martin Luther, wow. John Calvin, Calvinism, um, I had never heard of any of this stuff. And so, um, and, and the, the concept of a church having like the authority to remove mm-hmm. someone and having the responsibility to maintain the purity of the body, it blew my mind. Wow. And so I swung from kind of this, I love Jesus, but I was kind of indifferent or completely malnourished on doctrine. And I swung all the way to full um, PCA, full reformed everything. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and so I fell in love with doctrine and, and, uh, wow. I discovered co- covenant theology and I really got my old Testament back because of covenant theology. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, and so I, I, um, anyway, I, f- from there in college, I began to be discipled by some faithful men and, and where, where did you go to college? I was, um, in, in, I started at Auburn university. I was going to be. I went there on a chemical engineering scholarship and wow. um, I loved the chemistry and then took my first engineering class. And for reasons I couldn't articulate at the time, absolutely hated it. <laughs> and uh, I can now look back and say it was the Lord steering me in another direction. Wow. Um, and so uh, in, uh, in college, I was kind of wrestling through issues of baptism Um and infant baptism and, and, um, came to reform Baptist conclusions, um, hmm. where, you know, when I've discovered that there were Baptists in history that retained a covenantal framework of scripture, um, but also believed in uh, credo baptism. And uh, through that time I was serving in the, um, uh, parachurch organization of Baptist campus ministries, um, on campus and, um, became the president of that. And, and, was doing what, you know, it was kind of informal counseling. I was mentoring younger, younger young men and was teaching, even had opportunity to preach a few times. And, and my campus minister said, you know, have you ever thought about going to seminary? And I kind of chuckled. It's like, no, uh, that's not my plan. And the Lord really warmed my heart to the idea. And um, I asked people around me, you know, what do you think about this? And they all kind of affirmed it. I was actually terrified because the only pastors I knew were really like top flight extroverts, you know, like the Todd Wilson's mm. of the world. And, um, <laughs> and, and I am, I'm not, I, I'm, 
I'm an introvert. Um, and so I went to seminary desperately terrified that the Lord would, uh, um, asking him not to, you know, make me a, a preacher that have to stand up and speak in front of large groups of people. Mm. And so I went to seminary, um, knowing that I loved theology. I loved history. And if the Lord would allow, I'd want to do a PhD, uh, as well. And so I'd shot through the MDiv pretty quickly and, um, was able to get jump straight into the PhD program. And I studied systematic and historical theology and loved every minute of it. And I assumed the whole time that I would graduate and go be a Bible college professor, or seminary professor. And, um, right in the middle of seminary, um, I got asked, Hey, would you consider coming back to Montgomery to the home church, Morning View Baptist Church? Would you consider being um, running the small classical Christian school that we have in the building? Yeah. And uh, I, I said, well, I mean, yeah, I'll pray about it because that's what a pious man says. Yeah. But I'd really <laughs> th thought to myself, well, no, that's I'm going to teach somewhere. Anyway, uh, long story short, God brought me back home to my home church to be the headmaster of the classical Christian school. And uh, I did that for three years. And then uh, just a couple years ago, I, I um, slid over to become the full-time pastor of discipleship here at Morning View. Um, my main roles are to, um, we have uh, a Sunday evening full service here, which makes us kind of an anomaly these days. But mm. uh, I preach on Sunday nights, and and then I'm in charge of adult discipleship or Sunday school, and I do some counseling and a, a few other things. So that's what I do now. Um, that's Does that answer your question? Tom? Yeah, no, that's marvelous. And family, John English. My uh, when I was um, a freshman in college, uh, I worked with a guy. Um, his name is Robbie and Robbie and I, uh, ended up being roommates for seven years Oh wow! and Robbie was, uh, number three out of 10 children. Oh, wow. And, uh, I was kind of adopted into their family as number three and a half. Oh, and huh. in, uh, and so of those 10 children, eight of them are big, burly, hairy men <laughs> and, <laughs> And then there's uh, two daughters, two two sisters they have. And so um, in God's providence, um, my now wife um, was – she is the sister of uh, my roommate. And uh, I had such a good relationship with the family that when I went to talk to my now father-in-law and ask him, you know, could I take Rebecca out on a date? Uh, I, I opened the conversation by saying, Hey dad, I've got a question for you. No, <laughs> is that right? Which, John English? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's real. I mean, he, he, um, he was, he was really my spiritual father in a lot of wow. ways. He is, is, he's oh, still alive. Beautiful. Um, he's a, he's a very godly man. He was a, a ruling elder at a PCA church here in town. And, um, and so he's, uh, he's been a big influence on me. Um, and, and uh, in fact, the, the story was when when I first asked asked him if I could ask Rebecca to to marry me, he uh, he said no. And uh, well, he said not yet. She's not ready yet because she was a lot younger than I am. She's four, five, five years younger. Wow. Um, she's she was I think eighteen at the time. Wow. And then he he called me back the next day I think, and he said, hey, you know, um, 
my wife and I would like to take you and Rebecca out to dinner and talk. And I said, sure. So we went out to dinner and it was an interesting conversation where we had basically, um, my now mother-in-law had, uh, changed my father-in-law's mind for him and told him, yeah, they're ready. So, so, uh, we, we got married July, 2010, came back from the honeymoon, had two weeks to pack and headed North to seminary. And, um, we've been back here since 2015 uh, here in Montgomery, and we have three children of our own. We have um, we fostered several. We have one that we're we fostered since birth, who's almost two now that we're hoping to adopt as soon as Beautiful. the Lord des- decides to uh, to change the judge's heart, and hopefully that will be soon. So, uh, wow. so yeah. Thank you for that. That's what a what a marvelous. Uh, those uh, there's a lot of marvelous things there. We we will have to have get you back on the podcast, John English, to just talk more about your life story. That's tremendous. Tell us, mm-hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about um, your uh, seminary PhD experience, who you worked with, and then, of course, ease us into the, the, the dissertation topic on the Sabbath, and, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so I, uh, I applied to the PhD program at, at Southern Seminary knowing the exact dissertation I wanted to write. Uh. And it was on, um, that's not normal by the way, you know, right, right. So it was on, uh, particularly for American, American PhD programs at at a seminary. Oh, I know. I know. I was pumped. Uh, it was, it was going to be great. And, uh, I was going to write on multi-site ecclesiology and I was going to basically, basically critique it saying it's a mutant Episcopalianism. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, so I get in there and my first semester in the PhD program, I found out that this guy named Grant Gaines, who's about to graduate, just wrote the exact dissertation that I was going to write um, and, and came to basically the same conclusions that I was going to come to. So I was at, back at the drawing board um, trying to figure out what I wanted to study and talking with one of my home church pastors, um, a guy named Tom Hicks. Uh, he, We were talking about um, – church attendance and, and, you know, should you, how do you think about disciplining someone who's intentionally and habitually unrepentantly uh, not attending church? And that got, well, Hebrews 10, forsake not the gathering of the brethren, you know, and where does that come from? How does this tie into the fourth commandment of remembering the Sabbath Mm -hmm. and, and really kind of the whole linchpin in the in a reformed understanding of the fourth commandment today and really a lord's day theology the whole linchpin is is god's rest in genesis 2 a creation ordinance or not yes uh is that a pattern that men ought to follow and so that that really kind of got me thinking well that that's an important thing in this whole discussion about sabbath being binding today or not and so I started researching, and I found um, I found that the word creation ordinance or creation mandate or creation pattern, whatever synonym you want, is a relatively recent invention, the, the term, mm. um, that a, a lot of people will use and nobody defines. And nobody gives parameters by which you determine what is or is not a creation ordinance. People will open up the text of Genesis and say, look, there it is. Or they'll open up the text of Genesis and say, no, it's not. And so part of my, I think probably the most useful part of my dissertation is that I propose this very long and nuanced 
definition of what a creation ordinance is. So I kind of, I take two things from Genesis, Uh um, monogamous heterosexual marriage and work, two things that just about everybody agrees are creation ordinances. And I trace them throughout the canon saying, here's how they flow. Here's how they are integrated into the Mosaic covenant. Here's how they are partially fulfilled in Christ's first coming, but the creation pattern remains even through all the way through until the Christ's second coming. And I say, and and I think everybody kind of would agree with that analysis. And then I say, here is how Sabbath does the same thing. Therefore, I think Sabbath is also a creation ordinance. So it it's wow. it's a pattern that's built into creation. It's given typological value. It, it's escalating throughout the canon. It it culminates in Christ's um, redemptive work, but the creation pattern itself is not done away with with Christ's first coming. For example, mm-hmm. marriage is a type of something greater than the physical union, but the physical union does not stop as a pattern for creation after Christ's first coming. Yeah. It's only fulfilled completely when the antitype comes, which is Christ's second coming. And I think that weekly Sabbath rest does the same thing. It's a it's a pattern. It's built into creation, that pattern of six and one that's given redemptive value throughout the canon. It's, it's, it's pointing towards a spiritual rest to come, and that rest is, is, is inaugurated now in Christ. But the pattern retains its creational value, its typological value, because it's still pointing to the antitype, which is not Christ's first coming, but oh. is the culmination of his redemptive work done at his second coming in our resurrection and our glorified state of rest. Um, so that's, that's kind of a, in a nutshell, what, what I was trying wow. to do in the dissertation. Wow. And, and what, what were the practical implications of that John English for you, uh, a, a fairly kind of robust Sabbatarian <laughs> practice? Uh, all I, as far as the, if there's a spectrum of Sabbatarians out there, I I'm probably on the milder end of it. Okay. Um, I really guard, maybe this is the Baptist in me, but I really yeah. guard the doctrine of, uh, liberty of conscience, you know, um, and I, and I don't want to impinge upon people's consciences where, uh, scripture doesn't allow me to go. I, I I'm very hesitant to go to legalism. Yeah. Um, it's probably because in all of the books that I read on Sabbath, it so quickly devolves into legalism. Yes. Yeah. Um, that I'm, I'm hesitant to go there. And so I really, I, I really simply, People ask me all the time, can I do this? Can I not do that? Can I do this? And and I'm I'm very slow to tell them yes or no. Um, and what I'd like to do is to preach kind of the reformed categories of exceptions. So the, the Westminster and the yeah. Second London Baptist Confession talk about deeds of mercy, deeds of necessity, and deeds of piety are exempted from New Covenant Sabbath obedience or Lord's Day uh, observance. And so I teach those categories. Listen, if you're doing something, if you're pulling your ox out of the ditch on the Sabbath, that's okay. You know, that's what the day is meant for man, not man for the Sabbath. If you're helping, if you're driving to church and you see somebody on the side of the road that needs help, listen, stopping and helping them, even though that's manual labor or something. That's right. That, that feels like work, but you're fulfilling the Sabbath. Like, just like Jesus was healing people yeah. on the Sabbath. So do you cut your um, grass on this, on, on Lord's day, John English? I, I don't personally, but I don't, uh, I, I know some people that find that a therapeutic activity. Yes. So, so I, you would allow I, I don't know latitude. 
Uh, yeah. So I'm not going to impinge somebody's conscience there. I know some people like for me, here's the example I always use for people. Um, I absolutely cannot stand uh, running. I hate running. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, in, I don't enjoy it at all. I could, I could swim all day. I could ride a bike all day, but, but I hate running, but some people absolutely love it. And so for me, running a couple of miles on Sunday afternoon would be miserable and it would not be restful, but for other people running might be this release that they've looked forward to all week. And that may be a way that they want to spend their Sabbath afternoon. So I'm not going to judge them for that. That's fine. Yes. That makes, and, and, and this, this pattern built into creation, uh, mm-hmm. maybe two questions there. One is like, how do we see that in the ordering of the created world? Mm. Like we see in the, in the, you know, anatomy and structure of human bodies we see them being ordered for marriage how do we see this 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 creation or sabbath ordinance built into the fabric of creation as it were and and then with that um i would imagine you you uh see where contemporary secular american society is and think wow we are trying to erase the pattern uh, a Sabbath pattern from um, from things, even in our own lifetime, John English. I, I remember when I was a kid. You know, it wasn't uncommon to have stores closed on Sunday, right? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And 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 that's just as a faint memory. I mean, I remember you know we'd go out to eat on a Sunday, and you'd have to choose wisely and and find the the restaurant that might be open on a Sunday. You know, let's say thirty oh, yeah. thirty plus years ago when I was uh, was younger. Um, and now that's, that's just a, so anyways, there's kind of two questions there. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So the, how does creation reveal it? Well, we, we can look, there's, there's nothing, this, the seven day week mm-hmm. has to be revealed to us. Yes. Okay. So, so I, uh, that's, there's nothing, there's no, you know, like the sun comes up every day in a 24 hour cycle, but there's nothing that's telling us we need to order our time yes. in this in this six and one kind of way that has to be revealed to us. Um, and when, when that pattern is denied, then we see terrible things happening. So for example, in the French revolution, one of the things that, um, the, um, the revolutionaries wanted to do was to rid everything of religion. And so they said, well, that six and one pattern, that's all religion. We're going to go to like the decimal system. We're going to go to a 10 day work week. Oh. And they said it makes complete sense. You know, and according to human logic, it does, too. We have everything broken down by tens, you know. And what they ha- what they found out is that it destroys your workforce. They cannot do it. People revolted. Oh. They, they, they can't work that long without having rest. And likewise, we can see today kind of like you mentioned, um, we, we have people that want to um, shrink the one day of worship down to just a Sunday morning and then use Sunday afternoon kind of as their Saturday part two. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or they want to turn everything into them, in on themselves. So we, we have to, when we're talking about rest, you have to also think through what does... Um, what does work mean? Yes. And so, for example, when God rest rested in Genesis 2, does that mean he ceased all activity? Well, no, he's still providentially holding the universe together. So cessation, 
Sabbath is not merely the cessation of activity, right? You can, you don't yeah. honor the Sabbath by laying motionless on your couch all Sunday long. Yes. That's, that's, that's not it. Um, but it, it can involve um, stopping what you had been doing um, and usually does involve what, whatever you had been doing the previous six days, stop doing that so that you can change and reorient yourself to a specific kind of, of spiritual work, as it were, to, yeah. to the Lord's work, to stopping and thinking about what he's done in creation, stopping and thinking about what he's done in redemption, uh, giving time to honor him. And it really kind of, when you ha- when you, when you're work, when you're intentional about this pattern of, of seeking to honor the Sabbath, you see that it really reorients everything. Because if everything in your life is contingent upon your effort yeah. and your industry and your power and the money you've made or the effort you've put in, then then con- kind of this consumeristic idolatry, this materialistic idolatry sets in, well, you're not going to want to stop on the Sabbath because that means you're not being productive and you're not making money. But when you stop, it reminds you, no, I am a mm. created being. Mm. It reminds me that every good gift that I have is from my father above, not from my own efforts. And that my ultimate end in this life is not to work hard and to build a big paycheck or to build a big empire or whatever. My end is for God and to be united with him and to be resting with him for all of eternity. So while work is a good thing, it's not an ultimate thing. Yes, Work is something that's pointing to something greater, just like rest is good. Too much of it's a problem, but it is pointing to a greater spiritual rest, which can only be had through communion with God. Mm, mm. So kind of meandering there, but I think I answered your question. No, 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 that's helpful. Let's pivot then to our contemporary moment here, John English. I'm sure, you know, you've, you've obviously lingered and, pondered and reflected deeply on Sabbath and work and the interrelationship with the two and Christian practice and secular culture and and so on. And now we're struck with this unprecedented in our lifetime. Um, uh, lockdown, shutdown. I mean, certainly it's, it's hit where I am, Indiana, and where Zach is, Illinois, not quite as much in Alabama, but no doubt coming where you are, uh, but cer- certainly other uh, parts of the country. What are, what's, what's coming to mind as you're seeing this all happen, kind of reading it through your theological grid of Sabbath and work and the interrelationship and, and in light of this, uh, what's, what's happening with, with COVID-19? Yeah, I, I, just personally, I, I found that since we're not gathering on the Lord's Day like we always had, yes. um, the days kind of run together. Oh, and there's yeah. there's no punctuation mark at the beginning and end of each week. Yeah. Yep. And um, and it requires for, for me, it, it requires a little more intentionality. So I want to be diligent trying to work as much as I can during the week and, and work. I'm defining as being responsible or, or, or uh, being diligent for to all of the responsibilities that I have. So I want to be diligent as a father, diligent as a pastor, diligent as a husband, diligent in, in whatever those areas are. Um, and then it takes intentionality to try and treat 
Sunday as 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 different. So oh, whatever whatever things that I was doing during the previous six days, if I don't have to do them on Sunday, I try and treat that as different. So I I, I um, spend more time with my children. I linger in God's Word a little bit longer. I'm able to pray more. Um, yeah. I, I try and and do different activities. So if we may, you know, if we may have a movie night um, with the kids during the week, well, we we may not do that to try and make the day seem a little bit different. Even in this unusual time, we may decide we're going to go on a, on a family evening walk together, or we're going to play a board game together or something yeah. to try and say, this day is, is a, is a little bit different. We still try and sit down for a, a good Sunday uh, lunch at home, um, which is something we try and do um, even not under these circumstances. Uh, and, and, linger over what the what the sermon was just about and ask questions my children are still young so that usually lasts you know 30 seconds but (laughs) we still we still uh we still try and talk about what what the sermon was about or or what songs we sang and which ones are their favorite and things like that so yeah we still try try and observe the day and and keep it a little bit different yeah um and and, that's that's really helpful we were we were with our kids this morning kind of launching the day um, and, uh, <laughs> we were reading from a, a prayer book that, you know, where you, it has prayers per day and, and we kind of threw out like, what day is it today? <laughs> we, right, we're, right. we're all a little lost. It seems like, um, with the social isolation and the disorientation of that, it's a, it's a reminder of, of, uh, how much we need to get our bearings in the world through the way the calendar is laid out and time is structured is so helpful, not just spaces, uh, you know, geographically, but time um, that orients us, and and you feel a little bit lost without your your as it were your calendar to to get your bearings. Um, but I love what you're saying about uh, thinking about how to approach Lord's Day and and uh, Sunday with uh, the question. And 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 tell me if you agree with this. I'm going to put some words in your mouth of what I was hearing you say with a asking ourselves like, how can we set the day apart as a distinct day? Uh, to punctuate or to exclamation point the week rather than what can we do or not do on this day? Right. So I think, I think it's good to remember that, you know, Sunday, the Lord's day is the first day of the week. Mm. So in, in the new covenant, we're not having to look forward to something that's future. We're starting our week from the position of salvation in Jesus Christ. And from that salvation standing point, then we're launching into what are our responsibilities for the week. And so I, yeah. I really, um, you know, s- Saturday night has become a time of of reflection for me where I try and think about the week that has passed and, um, and, and, and have to be intentional to think about it in those terms because we think of the weekend – being Saturday and Sunday mm-hmm. and, and, and weekend is really kind of a, um, it's a relatively recent trend in the history of the world. You know, normally it's been six days of work and one of rest and having an extra Saturday. I don't think that's, um, problematic, but what we don't want to do is turn it into Sabbath day one and Sabbath day two, yes. or both, both days because, you know, one day is my day of college football and the next day is my day of NFL football. Um, <laughs> right. I, I want to be, I want to be faithful to my responsibilities in whatever sphere I'm working. I may not be 
uh, clocking in on Saturday, mm. but I still want to be faithful at home to do the things I need to be doing. Um, and then Sunday, whatever things are not necessary, you know, I set those aside now. Yeah. So I, I want to start the week from a position of, of rest. And then from there launch out into, um, what the Lord would have me do during, during the week. And, um, it's not merely, the cessation of, of physical activity. Um, it, it's usually a switching from a certain kind of work to a spiritual work on the Lord's day. Um, and, and, and that can be wearisome sometimes, yeah. right. To, yeah. to tend to a flock, to feed your congregation, to, to uh, minister to your children, to, to help those in need, to minister to the poor and, and, and do deeds of mercy. That can be tiring. Um, but it can also be spiritually refreshing. Mm. So there's there's a connection there between our our physical energy level and our spiritual vitality, and the two aren't always directly related. Sometimes expending yourself physically can be very physic uh, spiritually nourishing, um, and that's a good thing. But we also have to balance that out with we are created beings, and we do have limits, and so sometimes we do need to take a nap on Sunday. Sometimes that can be the the best way to spend your time. Other times it means, you know, going out and doing whatever deeds of mercy are available to you at the time. Um, and I leave those things up to, up to the consciences of, of the people in my congregation. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I appreciate you. Um, I, I, you sort of said this earlier, but I'll, I'll put it this way. The, the Presbyterian Reformed conviction about Sabbath with the Baptistic and Baptist convictions about freedom of conscience uh, and individual yeah. liberty, that does bring, as I'm hearing you talk, that brings a very nice balance to what you're saying and enables you to talk about Sabbath with a sort of full-throated seriousness. Uh, at the same time, it, it always um, keeps you from going over the cliff of into legalism. Uh, so I just, I really, I really appreciate that. Um, it, it, encouragements. I mean, for, for those listening to this podcast, John English, um, what, what hopes or prayer for them and their congregations, in particular their pastoral leaders, um, would you have for, uh, for them in terms of the situation we're in now, where a lot of us are, are feel kind of cooped up at home and have almost too much, um, Sabbath time on our hands and are, are, would, would be excited to, to quote unquote, get back to work. Um, but I think there's a, there's, a, there's a wonderful opportunity in all of this. And, and what's your encouragement, prayer, exhortation for, for all of us, both pastors and, and lay people who are listening to the podcast? And just piggybacking that, I'm even thinking about people who, um, I, I know this is already happening, happening but... Um, you know, should this situation persist, it will only be increasingly so. People who are finding themselves underemployed or unemployed yes. and are in a situation of like, I didn't want to be resting from work, but this is the reality I'm looking at right now. And how do I process that in terms of my spiritual life? Mm -hmm. How do I think about that theologically? I'm wondering That's if you good. have any thoughts about that as That's well. Good. Yeah. I, uh, when I came back from seminary, and uh, I, I was able to go out to lunch with our senior adults. And these were, you know, 80 to 90 
year old uh, senior adults. And, and one of the ladies said, so tell us what your dissertation's about. And I talked about all this stuff about work and rest. And they were obviously, you know, glazing over and falling asleep. But they, they said, they said, well, that's interesting. What does that mean for me as a 90 year old widow who has yeah. no job and doesn't do anything every day? Yeah. Wow. Um, and I, you know, in my youthful ignorance, I had not thought about that uh, in terms of work. Um, and, I, and so as I thought more about it, I said, well, being faithful to the responsibilities given to you at this moment in your oh. life um, may look as um, simple as this and being, being intentional to get up every day and to pray for your church congregation, to, you know, to pray for, for your children, your grandchildren, and even your great grandchildren, um, to check on the other, uh, widow, the other ladies that are in your Sunday school class, you know, caring for your cat, all of those things are the responsibilities that you have right now Uh and being faithful to serve the Lord joyfully in those times is not a, uh, it doesn't mean you're useless because you don't have a vocation that you go clock into nine to five, 40 hours during the week. That's, that's not, I don't think that's how the Bible de- determines rest by who you, who's the, what's the name on your, on your, uh, on your paycheck. That's not how it defines work. I mean, and so being faithful to whatever's in front of you at the moment, whatever your responsibilities are. Um, and that, that looks like, well, if you have been given in God's providence, more free time now, mm. then being intentional to think through how am I going to use this time to invest in the kingdom and to invest in eternal realities. So maybe maybe I need to get the church directory out and start praying through my membership more, um, or maybe I need to yep. maybe I need to you know I don't know. Well, there's a hundred different ways that you could. Um, write letters of encouragement to the, to other people, to, to call people, to check on them. You know, there's ways that you can, though you may not be working like normal, there's ways that you can busy yourself doing the Lord's work as it were, uh, even during this time. And so don't, don't waste your quarantine, um, Mm. by just binging on Netflix the whole time. (laughs) Um, use, use this to, grow closer to the Lord, to lean into him, use this to kind of stoke the fires that you have of, of longing for, um, for being back together with the body of Christ, but also to, to the longing of the new heavens and the new earth where we'll never have this mess again. We're never going to have sickness. We're never going to have these bodies that are uh, decaying. We're going to be resting forever with God and having uh, no more anxious hearts, no more idle spirits, no more no more sinful um, activities. Of, uh, you know, fluctuating. We kind of vacillate under regular circumstances between yeah. uh, workaholism and then you know laziness. We kind of just swing between these two pendulums. Mm. And um, and I and I think this is this this time of social isolation is hopefully going to build the church up and and. Um, Allow people the time to really dive deep into their hearts, to reflect upon God, and to see the idols that were in their lives that kind of laid latent latent around them um, that have been exposed during this time. Um, wow, that's a good word, yeah. brother. Thank you, I, I, Zach. I don't know what we're going to put as the as the title for this podcast, but I like "Don't Waste Your Quarantine." Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it. Uh, but those are that's a great uh, uh, final encouragement to us, John English, and thank you for 
uh, taking some time to reflect with us on Sabbath work and uh, COVID-19 quarantine. And and we're grateful for uh, your friendship with the CPT and your life and ministry and your thoughts with us today. Thank you so much for being on, on the podcast show today. Thanks, Todd. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CPT Podcast, a theology podcast for the church. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider throwing us a like, sharing the podcast online, subscribing, leaving a review. Uh, Anything like that would go a long way towards helping other people hear about the podcast. Uh, The CPT Podcast is a ministry of the Center for Pastor Theologians. You can learn more about the CPT by visiting us at pastortheologians.com. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our host for today's episode was Todd Wilson. Our producer and editor was Trenton Jones. Our music was composed by Andrew Gerlicher. I'm Zach Wagner. Thanks for listening.